you're able to stand, would you stand for prayer? Our Father in heaven, with grateful hearts, we call upon you. We thank you for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and to be our Lord and to be our Savior. Lord, I pray for your anointing on Brother Terry. May you empower him. May you give him wisdom um, beyond his own. Wisdom from the Savior, wisdom from the Master, wisdom from the Holy Spirit. May you direct our service tonight. And Lord, I pray that each of us could reach out and touch that hem um, that can bring wholeness to our lives. Whatever someone is struggling with, whatever someone is dealing with in their lives, Mm -hmm. Lord, we all need your touch, and we commit this service to you tonight, asking you to touch each heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. may be seated. Good evening. It's a blessing again to be gathered together and to be able to look into God's Word. For a special promise verse, turn to Isaiah chapter 40 this evening. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. And this verse has become a lot more precious to me than it was at one time. Um, We live in fascinating times. We live in times of great deception. And we live in times of a lot of voices. And often we just have to go back to the Word of God. And I'm so glad tonight that God's Word does not change. Alright? I'm going to read this. Matthew, or Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. God's Word will stand forever. God will never change His Word to fit His children's lives. Never. Okay? God's children need to allow God's Word to change their lives to fit His plan. Okay? So it doesn't matter, it does matter tonight what we say, but ultimately what I say tonight will not change God's Word. God's Word does not change. It will not change. It cannot change. It is eternal. And so, Let's read this verse together. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Praise the Lord. Um, tonight we've been talking some about coming in, we've been talking some about coming into the kingdom of God and some of the things that is entailed there. And, and tonight we kind of want to take some time and look at the other end of life. Um, you know, all of us here, regardless of who we are, or our status, or whatever, if God does not return, we will all die someday. Okay? It's just, it's just reality. It doesn't matter if you're the President of the United States. It doesn't matter if you're the wealthiest man in the world. It doesn't matter if you're the poorest man. Someday, unless the Lord returns, we're all going to die. And um, tonight, I want to look at four ways to die. Two of the ways, I don't want to die that way. And two of the ways, I would love to die. We're going to look at the two negative ways first. And then... Um, at the two positives. Uh, my father on the back of his, my parents on the back of their tombstone, my father had this written. It says, Remember this as you walk by, that as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare now for eternity. I'll read that one more time. Remember this as you walk by, that as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be, so prepare now for eternity. And um, we're all going to die someday. We're either going to be taken out of here or we're going to die someday. The Lord's going to return or we're going to die someday. That's, that's our only two options. And, and those are good options if we're right with the Lord, but those are our only two options. Either we're going to die someday or 
when the Lord comes back, we're going to be taken out of here. And so, um, I would like to, I'd like you to think about this question, and we're going to have some time at the end to share here a little bit, Lord willing. But I want you to think about this question. If you could have one word written on your tombstone, what would it be? Now, I know on the front you got the date and when you were born and when you, the dash and when you passed away and your name and all this and that. But let's just say on the back of your tombstone, if you could have one word written, what would it be? You can think about that as, as we're going to look at four words tonight. Um, it's not, it's not the only four words. But then I want you to, I want you to think about this a little bit farther. If God came down, if you would have died today, okay? If you would have died today, and God would come down with His finger and write one word on the back of your tombstone, what would it be? You know, most people die the way they lived. There's a few exceptions to that. But most people, if they were faithful to God throughout their life, they die faithful. Most people, if they lived a life of wickedness, they die in death in wickedness. Yeah, there's exceptions to that. There's, um, there's those who fall away at the end, possibly, or there's a few that, that come to Christ in that eleventh and three-quarter hour. But it's few. It's few. So most of us here tonight will die the way we lived. Okay? We're going to die the way we lived. So if you would have died today, how would you have died? You know... The story is told of of a heathen man who died and and his family they decided that you know around dad's casket you know I'll say this first have you ever noticed at funerals that it doesn't matter how the person lived what's the phrase that you hear verbatim they're in a better place. We hear that time and time again. The person could have lived like the devil. And yet, suddenly, when they get put into a casket and they, we, we, they're wheeled in front of the church, uh, all of a sudden they become a saint. I heard one pastor say one time, he said, I think there's more lies told at a funeral than any other time in church. Because we put this dead body up here, and we just act how we just talk about how great they was, and 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 you would have to know this fellow to really appreciate it more. But a guy I bump into at work sometimes, he said, "Wow, I went to that funeral, and I didn't even know who they were talking about because I'm about the person." He said, "Man, I, I I didn't know, I didn't even know who they were talking about. That that's Don for you, but you know, he said, man, I I didn't even know what they were talking about." That same pastor said, if you want me to preach your funeral, he said, I'm not going to lie about you. He said, I'm going to say it how it was. But this, but this, this family, they, they came from a heathen background, and so they decided that they, around dad's casket, they would put some things that dad loved. Okay? So they got out his favorite t-shirt, and, and they, and in his t-shirt, they rolled up a pack of his favorite cigarettes, and then um, Dad loved beer, and so uh, they got one of his favorite cans of beer, and, and they placed that in his hand on his stomach, and, you know, and, and they placed other things around his casket that Dad loved. Okay? And then over in the corner, Dad loved NASCAR racing, and so over here in the corner, they had a large screen over here, and, and on that screen, they were playing Dad's favorite race. 
Alright? Now, if you would walk into a setting like that, it probably would be very appalling. Okay? But I want to ask you a question tonight, okay? When you died, and they put your casket up here, if your family was totally honest, and you told them, only put the things around the casket that Dad loved, what would it be? What would it be? Would it be a big picture of yourself? Sometimes, if we're honest... You know, I, I want to be respectful when I say this. But I don't believe that every Anabaptist that dies goes to heaven. Do you? Neither do I believe every Baptist or Pentecostal or holiness person or, or whatever necessarily. What, what do I love? What, what would my children put around my casket? Would there be a wad of $100 bills in your hand? Is that what? Is that what you'd they'd be there? What would it be? Pornography? Sensuality? Um, what would it be? Well, let's begin. Let's begin to look to work through our words tonight, and and I want you to be thinking about that. What? I, I, now, now, let's cut all the holy roller stuff, okay? I didn't say what you would like your children to put around your casket. What would they put around your casket if you were honest? If they were honest, okay? I did, and I'm not asking what word would you... Yes, I ask you what word you would like on the back of your tombstone, but the, the big, bigger question than that is, is what word would God write on the back of your tombstone? Alright, turn, turn with me uh, to 2 Samuel chapter 2. And we're going to begin there with... Uh, uh, this is the first way that some people die. Alright, 2 Samuel chapter 2, and let's read a few verses here so we can get the setting here a little bit. This is Abner, okay? Abner was a general in the Old Testament. He was a, he was a good general in a lot of ways, a powerful general in a lot of ways, okay? But let's begin reading here at 2 Samuel chapter 2 verse 12. It says, And Abner the son of Ner and the sons of Ishabash, the son of Saul, went out from Maham to Gibeon. And Joab the son of Zariah and the servants of David went out and met together by the pool of Gibeon. And they sat down, the one on the one side of the pool and the other on the other side of the pool. And Abner said to Joab, Let the young men now arise and play before us. And Joab said, Let them arise. Then there arose and went out by number twelve of Benjamin, that pertained to Ishma, which, which pertained to Ishabash, the son of Saul, and twelve of the servants of David. And they caught every one his fellow by the head and thrust his sword into his fellow's side. So they fell down together. Wherefore, that place is called Helcatharism, which is in Gibeon. And there was a very sore battle that day. And Abner was beaten and the men of Israel before the servants of David. And there arose three sons of Zariah, there Joab and Abizai and Aziel. And Aziel was as light on foot as a wild roe. And Aziel pursued after Abner, and in going, he turned not to the right hand nor to the left from following Abner. And Abner looked behind him and said, Art thou Aziel? And he answered, I am. And Abner said to him, Turn thee aside to thy right hand or to the left, and lie, lie thine hand, lay thine hand on one of the young men, and take thee his armor. But Aziel would not turn aside from following him. And Abner said again to Aziel, Turn thee aside from following me. Wherefore should I smite thee to the ground? 
How then should I hold up my face to Joab thy brother? Albeit he refused to turn aside. Wherefore Abner, with the hinder end of the spear, smote him under the fifth rib, that the spear came out behind him, and he fell down there and died in the same place. And it came to pass that as many as came to the place where Aziel fell down and died stood still. And so we'll stop reading there. This is the setting a little bit, okay? We had this. They, they each took 12 men. And it says that those 12 men came out and they grabbed each other by the back of the head and they thrust themselves through and all 24 men fell down dead. All right? Then, Aziel begins to pursue Abner. And Abner is running. And Abner is a man of war. And he is being chased. And Aziel is quicker than Abner. And he's gaining on him. And, uh, and Abner tells him, why don't you stop aside and get a sword and we'll fight like men, is what he was telling him. We'll, we'll settle this score. We'll fight like men. But Aziel would not listen. And it's very gruesome. But the Bible says that as they was running... He was gaining on Saul. And so Saul took his spear and, and he just rammed him right back like that. And it says it went underneath the fifth rib. It says that he, it came out behind him and he fell down and died in that place. Alright, so, so this is the setting. Alright, now turn with me to Second uh, Samuel chapter 3, verse 27. Now, in the Old Testament, we're not going to take a lot of time to talk about the cities of refuge tonight. But there were cities of refuge in the Old Testament. And if you accidentally killed someone, the first thing you wanted to do was flee to one of those cities of refuge, okay? Because unless you did, if the avenger of blood found you outside of that city, they had the right to kill you. I know this is Old Testament, it's not New Testament, but that's how it was. And so, even if it was accidental, you would flee into that city at least until it was decided how it was going to be handled. Sometimes you had to abide there until the high priest died. So if the high priest wasn't real old, you might have to stay there a long time. Alright, Hebron was one of those cities of refuge. And this next verse, and Joab was the avenger of blood for Aziel, his brother. Okay? We could take a lot more time and explain that. But Abner killed Aziel. Joab was the avenger of blood for his brother. He had the right to kill Abner because he had slain his brother if he was outside the city of refuge. Okay, so let's read this verse. 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 27. And when Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly. Okay, so Joab comes up, or Abner comes up there, and Joab says, Psst, hey, come here, I've got to tell you something. So, he, I mean, right outside the city of refuge, right, right at the gate of the city. And, and Joab acts like he has something very important to tell Abner. And so Abner comes over, and let's read it. And when Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly and smote him there under the fifth rib that he died for the blood of Aziel his brother. Out, just outside of the city of refuge. I've wondered before in the flood... I don't know how fast the waters came, but I wonder when the floods came and, and Noah was on the inside of that ark, I wonder how many people were close to the ark when the flood came. Maybe some people had helped build the ark. Maybe they had hung around the ark for years. But when the flood came, they was on the outside of the ark. You see, hanging around the things of God does not bring us into the kingdom. We have to go into the kingdom of God. Into that city of refuge. Okay? So, so Abner here, he is killed. 
And let's see here what David says. Second Samuel chapter, uh, second Samuel chapter three verses thirty to thirty-four. Now, um, you know, usually in the U.S., if if a high dignity dies, there's a huge, you know, it's all over the news, and and um, and there's this huge funeral procession, and you know, and all these high authority people they get up there and and they talk about how much this person meant to the country and and how much this person meant to them and all these different things. All right, might not really mean it, but they say it, you know, because it's just it's the right thing to to say. Well, let's let's read here what David said about Abner. Okay, Second Samuel chapter three. Um, Let's begin reading at chapter at verse 30. So Joab and Abizai, his brother, slew Abner because he had slain his brother Aziel at Gibeon in the battle. And David said to Joab and to all the people that were with him, Rend your clothes and gird you with sackcloth and mourn before Abner. And King David himself followed the buyer. And they buried Abner in Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner. And all the people wept. And the king lamented over Abner and said, Died Abner as a fool dieth. Okay, we're not going to go ahead and spend much more time on reading down through there. But tonight, the word that it would be written on the back of some people's tombstones would be fool. Because they died outside of the refuge Jesus Christ. They was going to do it their way. You know, I a number of years ago we lived beside a man who was a wonderful neighbor, and one of my goals in life was to lead Erwin to Jesus Christ. Never happened. You know, even though you have a desire to lead someone to Jesus Christ, they have to choose. Erwin would tell me things like, I have my own religion. We say the Lord's Prayer. I went to see Erwin on his deathbed. And I went in to Erwin and I, you know, I'm not the judge. And that's good. I'd probably be way too lenient. But you know, I, I went in and I, I talked with Erwin and I said, Erwin, I said, I just want to, I said, I'm just going to cut it straight with you. I said, I'm concerned about your soul. I said, are you ready to meet God? And he said, I hope. In that German accent, he said, I hope. And I said, you know, Erwin, I said, you can know if you're ready to meet God. And his wife is kind of outspoken and she cut in and she said, she wouldn't let me go on. She said, we're Lutheran and, and we say all these different things and we, all the reasons that she said was not anything that meant anything. And she wouldn't let me go on. And so I thought, well, you know, I'll just go home and sometime when I know that she's at home, I'll go back up and, and I'll talk with her once some more. Well, a few days later, I heard that Irwin passed away, and my heart kind of sunk because I thought, oh, I never. But you know, later on, I was I was talking with his wife, and she said, you know, it was kind of funny, or she said, you know, or she didn't say funny, but she just said, you know, when you came up to talk with Irwin, she said, uh, she said right after you left, just a real short period of time like that, she said Irwin just went right downhill, and. When the boys came, he never even knew him or anything, and he just went on into death and died. And I thought, you took his last opportunity. God's the judge. But you know, any person who dies outside of the city of refuge dies as Abner died a fool. I don't want to die a fool tonight. 
We are not to call someone a fool. And we are not here to judge. I know. We are not here to say who all makes heaven and who doesn't. But the Bible does say, by their fruits you will know them. David said Abner died as a fool. He, and I believe anyone tonight who dies outside of the city of refuge dies as a fool. Take your Bibles now and let's look at our second word. Mark chapter 14. Um, this word is not in these verses, but we're going to use a word that would fit in these verses. Mark chapter 14, verses 17 to 21. And in the evening he cometh with the twelve, and as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say unto, one by, unto him one by one, Is it I? Another said, Is it I? And he said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth as is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it if that man, for that man if he had never been born. Alright? And so, we're gonna build a little bit here on these verses. Um, there's some very, there's some interesting things here tonight. Um, I'm not Jesus Christ, and none of us here are even close to Jesus Christ. But, um, you know, Jesus said, one of you here tonight is gonna to betray me. You know, and if Jesus was here tonight and He would say, one of you here has betrayed me. One of you here is acting like you love me, but you don't. Would you say, Lord, is it I? Or would you take your glasses off and start looking around and say, well, I wonder, I wonder who that is. Um, the disciples said, Lord, is it I? Is it I? Lord, is it I? And the Lord didn't tell them at that point. He said, it's one of you. It's one of you that dippeth in this dish with me. He said, one of you tonight will betray me. The story is told of two brothers that had a had a nursing home uh, service, a, a, a ministry that they worked with older people. And at this nursing home was, was an older gentleman that, that loved the Lord. And uh, when they would come, he, would, he knew the times they were coming often, and he'd be sitting out in the patio in his, on, in his wheelchair, and uh, uh, he would be waiting there for them. And... Um, you know, he'd say, oh, the brothers are here. Let's go have church. And, 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 and they would worship together. And they were just thrilled at the growth of this man and, and how much this man loved the Lord and, and how he just reached out to people. And Well, time went on and they had these services for maybe a few years even. And um, time went on and, and one day they came and, and Brother Fred was... Not out in his wheelchair in the patio. Well, that's kind of unique. He about always meets us out here. So they went inside and uh, they talked with one of the head nurses and they said, Hey, where's Brother Fred? We went out to meet us. And she said, You didn't hear? I said, No. I said, Well, Brother Fred died last night. Oh, the brothers were like, oh, well, praise the Lord. I, you know, I mean, well, not praise the Lord that he died, but, you know, Fred went home to be with the Lord. You know, and the nurse said, you know, the nurse said something like this. You, you were pretty close with Fred, weren't you? Yeah. She said, come down to his room. I want to show you some things in Fred's room. So went down to Fred's room and went in and closed the door. Pulled open a drawer, a stack of pornography magazines. She said, I want you to come over here and look at this. She pulled open another drawer too. 
And in that drawer was rings and diamonds and necklaces and, and all kinds of expensive little things. She said, you know, there was a lot, there's a lot of people that pass away here in this nursing home that has no one with them when they die. No family. No one's here. And she said, you know, Fred would come to us and he would say, you know, could I just have the privilege and the blessing to go in and, and be with them and pray with them and, and hold their hand as, as they pass from this life into the next? And um, we would tell him, sure, go ahead. But she said, look at all this stuff. She said, we discovered that what Fred would do is, is when he would go in there alone with those people that was dying, he would take their diamond rings and he would take their necklaces and he would put them in his pocket. And then he would bring them back down here and put them in the drawer. And she looked at those two men and she said, Fred was a fake. And she said, I'm not for sure that you brothers, that you, you guys aren't fakes. You know, we can fool the brotherhood. We can fool our friends for a period of time. Even for a period of time, we can probably fool our children and wives, but not for a long period of time, probably. But you know, we'll never fool God. We'll never fool God. God is going to judge us by the intents of our hearts. You know, sometimes in our actions we, <laughs> you know, we, we can come to church and it's praise the Lord and honey this and honey that. Let me give you an illustration. A little bit comical, but I think it'll mean something to you. You know, let's just use this as an example. You know, ever, ever have, uh, I don't really have animals, but you know, ever have livestock where, you know, the cows get out and you get all the cows back in but one. That one cow. Stubborn old, well, anyhow, you know. And, um, you know, and, uh, that one cow. And so, you know, you're out there and, and you're working and, um, you know, and, and your wife's out there and you kind of have these little panels and you're trying to, you're trying to get this cow in here, you know, and, and, um, you, you, you work and you work and you work and you finally, you almost get, you get, you have this last cow and you almost have it and your wife makes a mistake and she goes the wrong way and you say, honey, what was you thinking? Why, why, why do you always do that? Well, you know, about that time the, the deacon pulls in the lane, you know, and he comes up there and he rolls down the window and, uh, you know, and he says, what's up? And you say, oh, well, we're just praising the Lord today. I mean, you know, we, you know uh, these cows got out, but praise the Lord, we got them all back in but one, you know, and just having a little bit of trouble with this. But, you know, we all have our things in our lives where, uh, um, you know, where things don't go as well as what they should. And so, um, you know, and so the dig says, well, hey, I'll help you. So he gets out and. He's up there and you finally get that, that cow back around there again and your wife does the same thing again. And the cow gets away and you say, that's okay, honey. <laughs> we all make mistakes. You know? It's kind of comical, but you know it's kind of true, isn't it? You know what that's called? It's called being a fake called being a fake. You see, when the right people... I know how I should act because when the right people's around, I act that way. But when the right people ain't around, then, then I just kind of say and do what I want. You know, we as fathers often provoke our children to wrath, I believe, when we come to church and act and say one thing. And go live our lives like another at home. Mm -hmm. Well, Judas was a pretty good fake. Alright? 
I believe that Judas at one point was saved because the Bible says that by transgression Judas fell. Okay? So I believe that at one point he was in. Because you're not, if you fall, you was, you was in. And he fell out. By transgression he fell. I don't understand all that. And maybe that isn't quite alright, but you get the point. But Judas was so good at being a fake that the other eleven disciples did not even know it. Because in that room, Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And the disciples, they didn't say, oh, I bet you that's Judas. No, they said, Lord, is it I? Is it I? He was so good at being a fake. You know, I bet you Judas's family, his, his mom and dad... I bet you they were so proud of him. I mean, can't you hear him? Ah, that's Judas over there. You know, Judas to us has a bad connotation, but before this it didn't, okay? You know, can you imagine his parents saying, hey, that's my, that's my, that's my son Judas up there. Yeah, he's with Jesus, and he goes around doing miracles with Jesus, and, and yeah, he's one of the disciples, and, and he's, he's gonna rule with Jesus, and yeah, that's, that's our boy Judas, and look at him. I mean, look how the power of God is upon him, and he's doing all these powers and he's doing these miracles and he's running around with the eleven disciples the other the twelve disciples and, and with Christ and and there that's our boy. According to scripture it appears that Judas was a fake. You know I would not want God to come down and write with His finger on the back of my tombstone, fake. Fake. We've been taught a lot of good things and a lot of right things to say, and that's good. But I challenge you tonight, when we stand before God Almighty, He is going to judge us by our words. That's what the Bible says. And He's also going to judge us by the intents of our hearts. He's going to know why we did what we did. He's going to know the pride and the envy and the jealousy and the unforgiveness and the competition in churches and in ministers uh, and, and, and ministers' teams and in homes and in whatever all. He's going to know it all. I've heard some pretty wild things about people in plain clothes. And I'm not picking on plain clothes and I'm a forum. I've heard wild things about people in worldly clothes too, but you know, there's a lot of faithful men and people in our groups. There are. But over the years, some of the things that have drifted into my ears sometimes about what stood behind the pulpit, if there wasn't no repentance, there's no eternal life. I don't say that lightly. You know, I have to look into my own life sometimes because there's times that that I talk on forgiveness and I preach in all this and you're looking at a man tonight sometimes that has wrestled with forgiving. And I know that just because for how many ever years and how many ever times I went for revival meetings doesn't put me into glory. Because God's going to know the intents of my hearts. We have a lot of wonderful brothers that stand behind our pulpits. 
We have a lot of wonderful fathers and mothers in our congregations, but are you fake tonight or are you real? You know, it says they took that, that money and they bought the potter's field. And the potter's field was just this old field that they would go through there and they'd dig out all the good dirt they wanted and it was just left holes and it was just whatever all. And, and I don't know what they did with Judas's body. I don't know if anybody came for, forward and took it or not. The Bible doesn't say. Sometimes I have wondered, did they just take him out there and toss him in that potter's field and throw a little dirt over him? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But you know, I don't want to die a fool. And I also don't want to die a fake. Take your Bibles. Luke 23. I love these next two. But I think, I think it, it takes negative and, and positive and to, uh, uh, you know, to, to see where we are at. But Luke chapter 23, let's read verses uh, 39 to 43. Alright? This is when Jesus is on the cross and He's hanging between these two thieves. And let's read this. And it says, And one of the malefactors which hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ... Save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same con- condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. You know, this thief didn't have a lot of time to live for Christ. I don't think his parents was going around, you know, and saying, hey, that's our son up there. Yeah, see that, that thief that they're hanging there by Jesus? Yeah, that's... I doubt it. I really doubt it. I would venture to say that no one would even acknowledge that they knew this man. But as this man hung there on the cross... Here is an example of someone dying who did not die like they lived. But it's rare. But as that thief hung there on that cross, and he started to think about this, he thought, wow. And he just simply said, Lord, would you remember me when you come in your kingdom? And Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. Those are some pretty powerful words coming from Christ. You know, the story is told of a young girl who grew up in a Christian home and she was rebellious. She was rebellious. And she would not listen to her parents. And it became worse and worse and worse. And her parents, well, she had p- praying parents. And, and her parents would pray for her and cry out for her. But one day, Daddy came home from work and Mommy was in the kitchen. And she was weeping. And he said, what's wrong, honey? And he said, she said, she left today. She left and would not tell me where she was going. Left in a fit of rage, rebellion, whatever. She just flat out left. And these parents began to pray. And one month went by and several months went by and several years went by and they never heard one word from their daughter. Not one word. And... Time went on and they continued to pray. And one day they ran across a man who said, I knew your daughter. 
And they said, he said, I hate to tell you this, but he said, your daughter was at a wild party. And he said she was killed. And those, those parents' heart just sank. It's been a number of years ago. But he said, I knew her. And he said, she, she was killed at a wild party. These fathers and these parents' hearts were broken. But one day, the phone rang. And on the other end of the phone was the voice of his daughter. And she said, Daddy? He said, Honey, is this you? He said, She said, Yes, Daddy, it's me. She said, He said, Honey, we were told that you were killed at a wild party. She said, Yeah, Daddy, that was how it was supposed to be, but they got the wrong girl. I'm still alive. She said, Daddy, she said, I'm tired of my old life. She said, I'm tired of living immoral, drug, whatever related, whatever all. She said, and she said, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. And he said, she said, I, I'm forgiven. And she said, Daddy, would you be able to forgive me? And he said, honey, you're forgiven. She said, Daddy, just say that again. She said, that's so wonderful. She said, he said, honey, you're forgiven. She said, I know that, that Jesus has forgiven me of my sins and I have repented. And she said, Daddy, I would, I would love to come home. Would I be able to come back home? He said, yes, honey. Yes. She said, could you just tell me one more time that I'm forgiven? He said, honey, you're forgiven. And she said, Oh, what words. You know, those are beautiful words, aren't they? You're forgiven. So they, they talked about it and he said, yes, honey, please come home. So they decided through a process of time that she would come home on the train. So the day came that she was supposed to arrive on the train and the parents, they... They were sitting on the front porch and the joy was it's just overwhelmed in joy that their daughter had came to know their daughter who they thought was dead had came to know Christ and was coming home to see them again. And as they were sitting there on the porch, a sheriff's car pulled in. And he came up and said, Is are you so and so? And I said, Yes. And he said, I have some terrible news for you. He said, there was a crash on the train. And he said, your daughter was killed. He said, could you come and identify the body? So the father went down and sure enough, it was his daughter. She was dead. Those parents' hearts broke, but they also rejoiced in the fact that she had came back to God. They had a funeral. And he said, we heard a lot of negative things, and rightfully so in a lot of ways. You know, we heard things like, she was a druggie, she was a, you know, whatever immoral you want to, word you want to put there. And he said, those things were true. She was. They had the funeral and they buried her. And this man went and he bought a six foot tombstone. The father. And on the back of that tombstone, he wrote one word. You know what it was? Forgiven. He said, I wanted everybody that walked by that tombstone to know that yes, those other things were true about my daughter. He wasn't trying to hide that. But he said, I wanted them to know beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that my, my daughter died. Forgiven. You know, the thief on the cross, he died forgiven. He died forgiven. And brothers and sisters tonight, I would love to have Christ come down and write on the back of my tombstone, forgiven. Forgiven. Everything's under the blood. All of His sins went before judgment. They were many, but they're forgiven. Forgiven. Maybe they took that old thief. I, I, this isn't Bible. Maybe they took that old thief and nobody probably claimed him. Maybe they left him hang there. Maybe they took him down to the potter's field and buried him in there. But if they did, I can guarantee you one thing. When the resurrection happens, he's going to come to life. A forgiven man. Jesus said that if I cannot forgive those who have wronged me, I am not forgiven. That's pretty tough words, isn't it? That's what Jesus said. If you want to make sure that you're not right with God, just don't forgive. And you're not. I know none of us here tonight want to make sure that we're not right with God, but I'm just using that as an example. You know, after those eyes of love on that cross, could we not forgive our brother? One more. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. I would love to die forgiven. I don't want to die a fool. I don't want to die a fake. But I would love to die. And I plan on, by the grace of God, dying forgiven. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. This is Paul when he came to the end of his life. He said, For I am now ready to be offered. And he said, The time of my departure is at hand. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. Just keep your fingers there. You don't have to turn here. I want to read from Matthew chapter 25. Just keep your Bibles where they were there. Matthew 25. Listen to these words from Jesus. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest on me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, tonight, I want to die faithful. I want to die faithful. I remember standing by my side of my bed shortly, a little in a short period of time. I'm not sure how long it was before my mother died. And I told my mother this. I said, Mother, by the grace of God, I will be faithful to the calling that God has placed on my life. That hasn't always been easy. Hasn't always been the popular thing. But by the grace of God, I, I plan to keep that, that vow. You know, Paul said, when he came to the end of his life, he said, I have fought a good fight. I don't want to come to the end of my life and say, oh, I wish I would have done this and, and I wish I would have done that. And I wish, I, I know when we come to the end of our life, we're human and we can always see where we could have done more. But you know, I want to be like Paul when I come to the end of my life that I can, that I can look into glory and say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course and I have kept the faith. Be thou faithful unto death. And I will give thee a crown of life. You know, I would love for Jesus Christ to come down and to write on the back of my tomb, faithful, 
faithful. You know, I don't want to die a fool. I don't want to die a fake. But I want to die faithful. I want to die forgiven. I mean, forgiven first, forgiven and faithful. You know, and so many times when when Anna when Anabaptist people and Christian people, whatever all you want to say, I say Anabaptist because that's who I preach to quite a bit. You know. But they come to the end of their lives and they say, oh, I wish I would have prayed more or I wish I'd have did more. You know, no one ever, when they come, I, I think ever is probably right for this. It's, it's almost, <laughs> almost every time. Anyhow, you know, when people come to the end of their life, Daddy doesn't say, man, I wish I'd have went after money more. I wish I'd had a bigger business. I wish I'd have spent more time at the office. I wish I would have not forgiven people as much as I did. I wish that I would have fought with my wife more. I I wish I would have been more immoral. No. But people come to the end of their life and they say, man, I wish I would have been willing to forgive. Man, I wish I would have read more. Man, I wish I would have prayed more. Man, I wish I would have this. Man, I wish I would have that. But I challenge you tonight, friends, we don't have to come to the end of our life like that. We can come to the end of our life knowing that we put our energy and our ambitions into being. What God wants us to be. You know, we live in a very unique time in history. I could be wrong. Many brothers before me have been wrong on this, but I believe if I live, I really believe that if I live a normal life span, that I'll be part of the generation that sees Christ return. If not, that's okay. But, but there's so many prophecies and so many things and so many things heading that way. You know, God has us at this time for a reason. You know, and, and, and people say a lot of things. And they say, well, you know, these are pretty difficult times and these are pretty whatever. You know, can you imagine going to glory and talking with people who were sawn asunder, who were torn away from their family, who were burned at the stake, who were tortured, who were whatever. And saying, you know, I lived in 2018 in America and it was rough. It was tough to be faithful. You know, God would not have us here today if He didn't expect us to be faithful. We have a lot of daddies in our circles that are that are that are exchanging their families for their business. We have a lot of people in our circles who are patting themselves on their back because they never separated, but they live together separated. Does that make sense tonight? In their marriages. I don't want that garbage in my life. I don't want unforgiveness. I don't want envy. I don't want pride. I don't want to think that I have to be the man. I don't want to think that nobody else can do it right except for me. I want faithful, forgiven, to be one of the words written on my tombstone. As you thought about that tonight, um, what words, what, not words, what word would you enjoy having written by God on the back of your tombstone? That won't happen. We know that. We're just... Doing that as an illustration. God's not really going to come down right on the back of our tombstone. We're not expecting that.
just just what are some of the word? Uh, it'd be words, but what would be the word for you that you'd love to have written on the back of your tombstone? Just quickly say some of them out. What would it be? Forgiven. Forgiven. That's right. I was thinking of the word blessed. Blessed. Saved. What else? Not looking for one Pacific, just something that Grace. Grace. Now this next part gets a little more sticky. But in all honesty, would there be a word on the back of your tombstone tonight that you really wouldn't want there? Proud. Selfish. Adulter. Money. We're going to sing a verse or so of an invitation hymn. And you know, if you're serious with God tonight, if, if you know in all reality that there would be a word written on the back of your tombstone that you would not feel good about, and you would like to have that word replaced tonight with another word, we're going to sing a verse or so. Not, we're not going to hand, hand Terry Long. We're going to sing a verse or so of a song. And for this evening, I'm just going to ask you if... If there's something in your life that you want to be changed, that's got to be changed for a right word to be written on the back of that tombstone, I'm just going to ask you to stand where you're at during the song and just remain standing. You know, if you're too embarrassed to do that, then you're not willing. If we can't confess our faults one to another, we have a problem. And along with that invitation, I'm not going to ask you to come up front tonight. I like to tell people what I'm expecting and then not change it after that. But if you stand tonight, I would like you to share with someone before you leave tonight why you stood. Okay? Simple enough? If there's some things in your life that you know that, you know, I wouldn't want that on the back of my tombstone. If it would be on the back of your tombstone, it would be in the books in heaven. Or maybe you're here tonight and you've never accepted Christ into your life and you feel that need, then please make that known to someone. But the invitation tonight is to just stand where you are at. And then you will share with someone before you leave why you stood. Maybe you just want to drive the stake deeper. That's okay too. Whatever it is. Well, let's just sing a verse or so of a song. Let's just sing um, All to Jesus I Surrender. If God is speaking to you tonight and you would like to stand and, and just share with someone afterwards before you leave and spend some time in prayer, um, the invitation is open to you. All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I, God bless you, brother, ever love and trust Him in His presence. Daily live, I surrender.
Sing one that verse one more time. We're closing the invitation. We don't need to beg. If you're if you feel that need, you can do that. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that Your Word is alive. Thank You that we can go to the grave knowing that we're forgiven and that we're faithful. Help us, God. Help us to walk with You. Thank You for each person that came tonight. Thank You for each person who responded. Lord, we all have areas to grow in. Keep us by Your power tonight. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. After we're done singing, um, maybe those of you, I don't want to be wrong with this, but maybe can just come up front and someone who would like to pray with them and talk with them can. Um, I'll let that up to the brotherhood here. I don't want to put anybody in a spot. I don't want to ask you to do anything, but I ask you to talk to someone afterwards. And so those of you who stood, if you want to come forward, and those of you who feel led to come and speak with them, one of the Todd, if you want to make sure that all happens, that would be great. Let's just sing, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Alright? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Fountain cleansed by